0: On today's episode of the Alumni Podcast, we dive into all things HUMED and FlexMed, a non-traditional pathway to be accepted into the Icon School of Medicine. Let's dive in. So with us today, we have Dr. Nathan Case, Dr. David Muller, and Maisie Meyer. And I would like to... um, Allow them to introduce themselves, so Maisie, let's start with you. Who are you? Sure,
1: <laughs> a complicated question to start off with. Um, I am a second year medical student here at Mount Sinai. Um, I graduated from Brown in twenty twenty two um so I'm a recent college grad, and I came straight through to medical school. Um, I was admitted via FlexMed to Sinai. Um, so I'm happy and excited to talk about my experience. Fantastic. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Dr. Mueller?
2: Uh, So I was going to start by saying that I'm a Sinai lifer, but next to Dr. Case, I'm (laughs) in comparison. But I've been here since I was an intern in internal medicine. I stayed on his faculty, um, started a home visit program initially, and then almost 20 years ago came into this role as dean for medical education. So I've been in the medical school all that time, um, overseeing the MD program. And then my clinical practice is taking care of people who are homebound. Great.
0: Wow. <laughs> Thank you. And Dr. Case?
2: Well, um,
3: David took half my lines away, <laughs> but I do. I am senior. I've been at Sinai since 1951 with an interim period of 20 years at Yale. I've done just about everything at Sinai, so I could say I am of Sinai as well as an advocate for Sinai in every way. And one of the things I'm most proud of is whatever we call UMED now as part of FlexMed.
0: Thank you. And that's the perfect transition into, can you explain what UMED is and why you decided to create it? And give us some dates, please.
3: <laughs> um you're gonna uh censor censor this out but i've just spent an hour talking. I know. About it. <laughs> um wh- when i returned from yale in 1981 or so i had had an experience there which was very informative it was a great university medical school but it had a catchment area uh, as I said, equivalent of several blocks in Corona, Queens, and here I turned to Mount Sinai, where there was Elmer's, there was Mount Sinai Hospital, VA Hospital, fabulous residency programs, an absolutely outstanding clinical faculty, a fabulous basic science faculty, and yet we didn't get the medical. School candidates that we wanted, we lost them to the reputation, the prestigious schools. Mm -hmm. The graduates, the GPEP report came out at just as I was formulating a sense that we needed to spruce up our recruitment to the medical school, and that I created the humid component of FlexMed at that time, believing that a liberal arts background was essential for a successful career in medicine but also a successful professional opportunity to offer help and succor to those that needed help
0: (laughs) so hume just just to make it clear humed stands for
3: humanities medicine may i give you. you that little piece i went one of the colleges that I went to was was uh, brandeis because mm-hmm. it didn't have a medical school had a great reputation
0: and around what year was this
3: uh this was it- at the start it was eighty eight or something like that nineteen eighty eight and I arrived on this gorgeous, gorgeous campus uh humid uh, uh in Waltham and I saw these various encampments, bonfires tents and Signs, no ham on
2: campus.
3: (laughs) And I went to the president and I said, I didn't understand. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. That's because they're protesting our decision to serve non-kosher food.
0: Dr. Mueller, in your own words, can you please explain what humed is and what flexmed is and what flexmed stands for
2: sure so flexmed is is the natural extension of the humanities and medicine program the humanities and medicine program was an uh, an early assurance program to medical school for students who um, had a humanities background or taking a humanities major as undergraduates and all we did was take the concept and expand it out to any student in any school, not the the initial small group of schools that were part of the pilot program um, it didn't make a difference to us what major you had if at that point in your education as a sophomore you were poised enough mature enough, thoughtful enough to apply to medical school and meet our expectations or have those credentials, we thought you'd be a great match for what medicine needs, which is yes um, an immersion in the humanities for those for whom it's really important, but it could be an immersion in Biochemistry or in computer science or in engineering or in a million other things.
0: That's terrific. And how have you seen what has the success of the program been?
2: Uh, what has the success been? So I, I think it's been enormously successful. The way I take the question is how do we know that it's been sure. successful? So we, we don't, we chose specifically not to measure success based on size. In other words, the, the HUMED program started with a very, very small cohort. It slowly grew over the course of time. When we created FlexMed, we increased that to about somewhere between a quarter and a third of the entire entering class. But we weren't going to measure success um, by the metric of, could we fill the class with FlexMed students? Because the answer is, we could easily fill the class. We could fill four classes with FlexMed candidates, and their their credentials and accomplishments are just remarkable. Um, the success that we chose to, the way we chose to define success was um, the degree to which this program became more widely known across schools all over North America, and also across all majors, so it wasn't really just humanities related, and the degree to which that contributed to the diversity of experiences, the diversity of thinking in the class, and how did that contribute to the environment here that students entered as a medical student? Did it enrich the environment, or not. And the sense that we have is that the answer is yes to all of those things. Many more schools across North America are familiar with the program. Students come to us from every conceivable uh, academic background. Um, And I think the student experience has been that it is incredibly enriching because you end up as a medical student here meeting people who come to medicine through all these different pathways. That's
0: terrific. And leads very well into Maisie that we have here today. So, Maisie, why FlexMed? Why Mount Sinai? Why Why are you here? Why did you choose to to be here?
1: Um, well, I can be very candid. Um, I applied to FlexMed because my dad told me to. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, you, are you from That's New York? That's success
2: <laughs> right there. <No. laughs>
1: My dad, um, I remember he called me in in December of 2019 when I was filling out my application. I was 19 years old when I applied to medical school, which was extremely, um, it was a little bit stressful, um, but also just like such a gift that I was even able to do that. Um, But he called me and he was like, you have to apply to this program. You have to apply to this program. And I was like, deep in finals, I was like, dad, I I cannot do this right now. Like, please don't make me do this right now. He's like, no, you have to do it. You have to do it. So I came home. For winter break that year, um, and I did the applications. And as time went on, I got more and more invested in the program, and more and more invested in Sinai, and really excited about the opportunity. Until, like, by the time the acceptances were rolling around, I was like, "Oh my god, I really, really hope that I get into this program." Um, And I think a lot of my friends, like, we reflect on this pretty often. Um, The friends that I have here that are flex med students, just that you know, I think that you would be hard pressed to find a student that would not look at a program like FlexMed and say, oh my God, that's a huge benefit. Like you have flexibility to take the classes that you want in undergrad. You have flexibility um, to do things after undergrad before you come to medical school. You have the flexibility to not take the MCAT. Like People are never going to say no to that if given the opportunity. Um, But I think the real gift is that 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 program is associated with Sinai specifically um, because I think you could have told me it was any school and I would have applied and gotten excited and accepted it. But the fact that it's here is just so, so lucky. Um, because I have never really like felt this way about an institution, like felt proud to be a part of it and proud to be a student here and to be um a voice to be a student here. Uh it just it it really I never felt that way about an institution.
0: What was the application <laughs> process like? So from when you applied to when you stepped foot through the door, what did that time period look
1: like? Um yeah, complicated uh, and very emotional. Um, I So the application starts with um, a bunch of essays, recommendations. You have to get recommendations from both high school teachers and college professors, um, which I think was the biggest struggle for me is like, how, how do you know college professors as a sophomore in college? It's really tough. Um, you have to get those recommendations. You have to submit your grades. Um, and mainly, I think a lot of it is the writing. So, like, what you write about in terms of like why you want to be a doctor, what you'll do um, with the extra flexibility that's provided to you by the program, um, and sort of like what it means to you to be a doctor and what's important to you about being a doctor, and sort of the standard things in a medical school application with the added aspect of like why um, do you want this flexibility um, and what are you going to do with it. And then there was I was actually right after of course December of 2019, um in the winter of 2020 was when COVID pandemic began. Um, so we were the first class to not have in-person interviews. Um, so we uh ended up doing we ended mm. up having to do a Casper test, which is a, a like decision making ethics test. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was an online exam. And then we um mm. and then we had interviews on Zoom. Um, it was the most stressful day of my whole life. Was that interview? <laughs> um, I got off that interview, and I was convinced that I did not get in. Um, Who did you
0: interview with? Like Dr. Miller, are you part of the interviewing process? Mm-mm. No. Okay. No. I actually don't.
1: I don't even remember. Yeah, I fine. just remember it was a faculty member and a student. Okay. Um, and a current flex med student. It as was well, a, or just no, it was a fourth-year medical student okay. at the time. So would have been like many, many years ago, um, and. I was just so wound up. I was like, I truly, like, I think that the content of that interview immediately left my head the second it was done. I was like, I I will not retain anything that just happened. I just am glad it's over. I'm glad it's done. Um, And I have this distinct memory of July 1st. They had told us that the results were going to come out in middle to the end of July, but they ended up being on July 1st. um, And I was totally not expecting it. And I had been studying for the MCAT all of that summer because I didn't want to take um, time in between medical school and undergrad. Um, and so I was studying for the MCAT. I took out all my Kaplan books and laid them out on the kitchen table at my parents' house that summer. And I was getting ready to start studying for the day. And I was like, Oh, like to put off studying for the day, I'll check my email for 30 seconds. Um, and I checked my email and I had gotten the email and I just immediately started bawling. I was so excited. My parents weren't even there. My parents were like, <laughs> on a business trip somewhere i think and they like called them both and they were crying and i was crying and i called my friends and they were all crying it was it was just like such a great day
0: that's incredible and then w- when did you first step foot into the school a long school? time after
1: um because yep. we didn't we didn't have a re we didn't have revisit and until like the year that we were matriculating
0: that's terrific yeah. and what what did you y- you commented a lot on flexmed in this program it provides the flexibility that you need or want
1: what did you what did you
0: do at that time
1: um so i was originally um i applied to brown as a as a chemistry um or a biochemistry major and i was intending to do a second major in french um and french studies i loved french in high school um and so as i was applying to FlexMed, i was actually in the process of um so i ended up being a chemistry major instead of biochemistry because why make your life easier, right? Do the harder thing. <laughs> and so I did that. Um, and I had already completed a lot of the requirements, but I was sort of like not, I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted out of the French major, especially once classes went remotely. Um, and so actually, as I was applying to flexmath I was in the process of sort of conceptualizing a different way to incorporate humanities into my um, education. And I've always been very interested in um, medical illustration and scientific communication. Um, It's always been like sort of a side passion of mine and um, making sure that medical materials are accessible to people and accessible to patients and um, sort of providing patients the materials to um, to be autonomous and and have a say in their care.
0: Oh, that's, that's that's really remarkable. And hearing more about you and your story, I definitely... I definitely get this sense of why the program started. However, I'd love to hear from Dr. Muller and Dr. Case about what type of doctor, like what were the characters when you created, started to create the pro- program, what need did HUMED fill? What doctor were you looking for?
3: Actually, um, I'm going to shift the emphasis of your question. Sure. It wasn't um, so much searching for an outcome, but searching for a preparation to be a sensitive, sensitized, altruistic, principled person who understood him herself well enough to provide sensitive, useful care. So it was a matter of a background of experience that went beyond the surmise, the adolescent, I know everything. It's it's a background that understood the needs of others and their own biases and prejudices. So it was all a matter of creating a group of people who were prepared to offer good care and sensitive care and good care.
0: Yes, we definitely need that. <laughs> and Dr. Miller, could you uh, kind of piggyback off of Dr. Case and explain what, like, what those characteristics are that you look for?
2: Um, so I'm I'm actually going to shift it a little bit to sure. <laughs> And now talk about characteristics, because I think that when we, when we sat down as a group in trying to envision what the next step was going to be for HUMED, the, the two things that ended up um, standing out the most, and all, of those other, all those other things that Maisie and Dr. Case described are obviously very important, but the two things that stood out to us most were some of what Maisie talked about. So the intellectual freedom. So that's not really about the characteristics of the person but the fact that as a pre as a traditional pre-med you're so worried about your grades every minute of every day you're worried that every activity you're involved in looks good on an ultimate application to medical school that that is such a cloud that hangs over people's heads the idea of giving someone an acceptance early and saying you're in don't sweat it. You're in. We love you. You're coming to medical school. <laughs> use the next two years in any, you, in any way that you want that's related to your interest in medicine, science, health, human suffering, whatever it is. So that, was, that really rose to the top of our priorities in terms of expanding the program out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the other, which is really linked to that, and Maisie mentioned as well, is the... Um, so one is the, the academic and intellectual freedom, and the other is the stress. And they go hand in hand, relieving that stress for people, the stress of the application process and the cost of it, the stress of always having to second guess whether you're good enough, the stress of the MCAT, the wasted time. Maisie mentioned briefly that she was prepared to begin studying. She could probably describe to you what all of her friends had to do, what they had to sacrifice, the months and months of time that they could have spent doing research or learning how to be a medical illustrator. I mean, a million things that would give them more joy and would bring that joy to the practice of medicine is squandered on something like the MCAT. And I think maybe one of the most important things that we've proven since the very beginning is that you don't need that MCAT score to figure out if someone is an outstanding candidate for medicine. You just don't need it.
0: And can you dive into some statistics or general, either qualitative or quantitative research. I know, Dr. Case, you just did a big survey and study. Um, Could you bring some more or less hard facts to the table?
3: Hard facts. (laughs) I I hope that we have produced in that uh, questionnaire method. Um, I think that uh, the important message of the responses has been that uh, well over 95, 98 percent were not only happy that they were physicians, they felt that they were good physicians and had realized their own ideals and were offering um, the right kind of either effort for their patients or in research indirectly for patients. It's amazing how much they emphasized, not amazing so much as gratifying, how much they emphasize the importance of their varied backgrounds and how enriching they felt about that human experience through liberal arts education. So quantitation, no, I would call it good qualification.
2: And I have to say that we have gotten just remarkable women and men um, into the class, some of them in Maisie's class, a couple of them in classes that preceded hers, um, and like Flex, Med, and Humid, they add something special to the environment mm-hmm. here. Their background is different. Their lived experiences, obviously, are different, um, and uh, I, I, we're just really, really proud of that. There may be other things that come up in the future, other partnerships, mm-hmm. um, but that one, I think, has really been a great another great step forward for us.
1: They also are older, so they make it so we can have class babies. <laughs> so there's like babies that are taken care of by the whole class. It's awesome. That's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. another added benefit. A benefit. Total benefit. <laughs> is um
0: extending off of uh your comment, Dr. Miller, is Mount Sinai one of the few institutions that offers this non-traditional pathway? Do you know if this is if many institutions offer this? Do you have any gauge as? Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are very, up until I would say five, seven years ago, there was almost nothing else nationally. Um, In the last five to 10 years, a couple of other programs have cropped up. um, Some of them strikingly similar to Mm -hmm. ours, which is great. Yeah, because it be sounds copied. like Mount Sinai is kind of the, the greatest trail greatest there. greatest form of flattery, flattery right. Yeah. Um, most of them, as far as I know, um, have been on a pretty small scale. So for example, a medical school will partner with a particular undergraduate institution, mm-hmm. and that will be the partnership. Um, none of them have come close to expanding it in the way that we did, both in terms of the numbers that enter the class every year and the number of schools that are eligible to apply.
0: Okay.
2: So we're still... Unique in that sense. Um, I hope it catches on more. We would love the competition. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, every year when we look at candidates, there are, as I said before, hundreds of unbelievably qualified students um, who could fill a class. And they deserve the opportunity to have that early assurance mm-hmm. for all the reasons that we described before. Absolutely.
0: And what is... How would from all of your individual opinions how would you like to see the program grow and what does the future of flexmed look like and i don't know who wants to start the boss Yeah.
3: (laughs) well um i think we should be very happy where it is now Mm -hmm. i think there's room for growth in both elements Uh, the open-ended candidates as well as the liberal arts candidates. I think expansion of it and really undoing the burdens of the traditional premeds, so that they have an opportunity for at least some portion of the enrichment that the humeds have or the military. It's worth to devote yourself To diversity. It's worthy to welcome those that come off the ground by their own bootstraps. Mm
2: -hmm. So to take another step, uh, a lot of what we've learned from the program from the beginning, but more so in the last 10 or 15 years, is seeing the cohort of candidates who apply, who clearly makes it in, who's just on the cusp. I mean, they're so good, so good, but just, you know, there has to be a, a cutoff somewhere. Um, which of those students, sophomores in college who almost made it, who come from these communities, new Americans, immigrant families, underserved communities, that's fascinating to see that. And then the other piece of it is that we've learned a lot about what it's like to be in touch with these students over the course of their junior, senior year in college, their gap year or gap years. Some students aren't in touch with us at all, except for sort of the minimum reporting of your GPA, which is fine. But more and more students are in touch with us a lot. And we find ourselves advising, counseling them informally, but sort of bleeding into the formally. And we have just an incredible, incredibly rich resources here of faculty who are doing research and Clinical mentors, somewhere in the offing, which is, I think, an answer to your question, there's an opportunity for us to take those candidates who, who didn't make that first threshold, that first cutoff, who are almost there. And instead of spending two years as a pre med being beaten down by people who tell them, especially if they're black and brown, that you're just not going to make it, having us counsel, advise, support them over the course of time and expand the program in that way would be unbelievably yeah, just exciting be another special medical school
0: uh, Maisie. how how would you like to see the program grow or sustain or what's the future like for flexmen
1: um i think it's pretty simple honestly um i think that i think everyone would just like to see people who work in healthcare that look like america that look like the place that we live um and we're not there um, the people who work in healthcare right now don't always or don't often look like the people that they serve. Um we are still at a place in society where uh black and brown people do not get the same opportunities to practice medicine or to be in healthcare that um white people often do. Um I think that just making FlexMed a platform for encouraging this type of diversity that Sinai has represented since its inception um, is just really the dream. Um, and I think they do a wonderful job of it already.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on the alumni podcast. You can find this episode on our alumni website or by scanning the QR code on the screen. Thank you.